0: Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me, Bessie mate, Sarah, chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Welcome to episode four of Reading for Attention. Wow, God, I can't believe we made it here, Sarah.
1: Me either. (laughs) I really can't believe
0: it. No, I know. I think you can get nominated for Grammys for podcasts.
1: There is such a thing as the Podcast Awards. Oh, are we we
0: nominated?
1: We're we are what is it? (laughs) That's like a a shoe in for a win. We're a
0: shoe in. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) We've just had another follower on Instagram as as we speak. Let's see we've, who it is. We've That's released our first episode. Uh, just to let you know, people who, who aren't famous podcasters, what people tend to do is, is record a few episodes in advance. Mm. <laughs> we uh, recorded three. We've already skipped one week by accident. So now we've only got two in the bank. But anyway, we're okay. Have we? Um, yeah, well, well, this one is taking with we two weeks because it was such a hard book. <sighs> <laughs> but it's okay. The next book's going to be fine. Um, okay. So, how are you, Sarah?
1: I'm fabulous, actually, yeah, loving my life. Edinburgh has all of a sudden become fucking freezing, so now I essentially get to hibernate for the next few months, which is my favourite my favorite thing to do, is to stay inside and sit down. So i How are you doing? You've just come back from a glorious... Tour. Sun, Yeah, sunshine-filled tour.
0: Tour of the UK, Broms Grove, Altrincham, <laughs> you know, the usual spots. <laughs> Visiting various aunties, <laughs> but no, honestly, had a stunning time. Ate loads, drank loads, off work, just brilliant. And then <gasps> yesterday, the clocks had gone back, extra no, hour no, in bed.
1: No. That's not true. What? It's next week.
0: Babe, it's happened. Are you joking? Are you joking?
1: <laughs> I thought it was next week. You're Sarah. telling me I had an extra hour in bed and I didn't even appreciate it.
0: Were you not working yesterday? Were you on time? <laughs> <laughs>
1: When when did that happen?
0: On Sunday, early hours of Sunday morning.
1: <gasps> Are you a hundred percent sure?
0: You know I know these things.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should not doubt this. Fuck. I mean, what? you must
0: have just used your digital clocks because my analog. <laughs> yes. No. No analog
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, later, I got so confused last night because <laughs> I hadn't changed one of the clocks, and I was like, eh, it's like ten o'clock, but it was actually nine o'clock. But yeah, they 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 went back and you got an extra hour in bed i'm surprised you made it to work on time but thank god you did it eh? unless you're well, getting sacked tomorrow or is scotland be... on a different time zone <laughs> don't think so it's far as i'm aware
1: i mean i do have a few friends that have asked me that before
0: <laughs> well it's and it goes in drive, long lines any bloody way so yesterday morning extra hour in bed i had 40 percent <laughs> of this book to read and just sat in bed and read the whole end of the book did so you? yeah and it was really nice. So, yeah, all in all, excellent, excellent times. So, Sarah, this was your choice, this book. Yes.
1: Yeah. First of all, so, can you
0: tell us what we're drinking? We're... What?
1: Yes, we're is supposed the... to be drinking. Oh,
0: you've just... What's the <laughs> point in this, in this USP of our fucking
1: podcast? No, what? I think, honestly, somebody needs to tell Scotland that it's no longer wartime and there's no need for <laughs> fucking rations because there is nothing. There is, there's just salmon and haggis <laughs> and iron brew and that is it in every single shop and i know this might be slanderous but i've absolutely mcfucking had it so so we're doing
0: salmon do- and haggis cocktail next
1: week? <laughs> yeah yeah and i'll i'll probably not be able to find that either
0: yeah uh, can i just say sarah yeah i've just looked on apple podcasts and i don't know how but it says that our podcast is clean
1: yeah, no, I'm, I saw that as well. Because when I, when I submitted it, I had to enter a rating, and I said eighteen plus, which is really embarrassing. <laughs> because obviously, someone at Apple HQ has been like, "Shut up!"
0: Yeah, clean. No, just because yeah. you've you've cursed there three times. in a
1: <laughs> <laughs> You little square.
0: <laughs> I am a bit of a square. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. So
1: we're supposed to be drinking, and I assume that you are drinking um, a Harlem, which is a cocktail made up of gin. You'll probably have used vodka, pineapple juice, and a maraschino liqueur. But we also just said maraschino cherries, which again, impossible to find. So I couldn't find pineapple juice anywhere, and I couldn't find maraschino. Cherries. You couldn't find so
0: pineapple I... juice.
1: No. So what no, the hell well. are you drinking then? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just drinking gin and San Pellegrino because what flavor orange that's not even close that is not it looks like I thought Paul won't know I thought about this and I thought he won't know immediately that I've already deviated from the
0: to be fair that did work because I thought oh she's made a drink and it looks like Um, quite nice to be honest I have to I'm sure it is I have to be honest in (gasps) that I do think this was a difficult one to find maraschino cherry liqueur Mm-hmm. I didn't I, w- I didn't go to the shop. So I sent someone else to do that. One of my assistants. Yeah, I was and... so sorry.
1: Who, who else <laughs> you sent other than Michael? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never you mind. Um, and <laughs> I didn't want to pay. I mean, I don't even think they would have had it. So what I've got is I actually did use gin. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, I don't like I do like gin. I just prefer vodka, but oh. gin, pineapple juice. Mm-hmm. And then what I did was just Googled the difference between maraschino and glacé cherries. If anyone's interested, it's that glacé cherries are candied, whatever that
1: means. (gasps) Um, I just realized something. I wasn't even looking for maraschino cherries. I was looking for glacé ones the whole time.
0: Well, if they didn't have glacé, they're not going to have maraschino. So don't worry about that.
1: I I don't even think I've ever seen a maraschino cherry.
0: I don't know if I have. So I got the glacé cherries and a potato masher and mashed (laughs) them on a
1: plate.
0: I've got a vid. I'll put it on Instagram and then just added that to the gin and pineapple so it's, it's and i mean yeah it's it's nice you know delish quite but, sweet oh mega sweet in it yeah. i used to not like pineapple juice because i thought it tasted a bit like sick
1: oh. I've heard that
0: before. i know oh. I'm, I'm sorry because oh well you're not drinking it so it's fine <laughs> but i've always kind of thought it, it kind of tastes like the smell of sick in a bar
1: oh because it's quite sweet su- it is quite sickly sweet yeah, yeah.
0: so i, really I haven't like had it for a long juice. time yeah I, i'm i'm back on it you know back on the 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 pineys so good good choice even though you haven't done any of it
1: (laughs) i wonder if like at what point i'll make the prescribed cocktail is that the right word prescribed well
0: stay tuned because next week Uh, we will and i'll and i can tell you exactly why at the end of the podcast oh there's there's a um what do they call that? A tease. And you know why we're doing a tease? Because at one point we looked at the average listenership of our podcast, like how long people had done it. And it was four
1: minutes. You fucking bitches.
0: <laughs> Sarah, clean, clean. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: um, right. Let's talk about this book. So do you want to yeah. tell us a little bit about Harlem Shuffle and Colson Whitehead.
1: So Harlem Shuffle is two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, Colson Whitehead's eighth novel. Uh, it was published in September of this year. And the story follows in an omniscient third-person narrative, a gang of crooks who operate in Harlem from the late 50s. Uh, the central character is Ray Kearney. Carney? Carney Kearney. Carney. 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 Uh, <laughs> Um, who is a used furniture salesman and considers himself and his family to be upstanding citizens. There's no denying, however, that crookedness runs in Carney's blood. Uh, His father was a crook and Carney himself admits that he sometimes acts as a fence between criminals and the lawful community, accepting and reselling stolen watches and jewellery for his cut of the profit. Things start to go south for Carney when in the first third of the novel, his cousin Freddie, who is essentially the naughty version of Carney. Naughty
0: um, Freddy.
1: Naughty Freddy. Involves Carney in a hotel heist uh, that goes tits up. Carney is then forced to try and balance being a part of this criminal world and his personal life. Um, so poor, I've been thinking hmm I think I want to facilitate this podcast the same way a lecturer would facilitate a le- a lecture or like a class. So I have I thought set you said a lecturer. Carmen. Um a lecturer would mm-hmm. facilitate a class. So I, I set the text and now you tell me your thoughts.
0: <laughs> okay. Is there, a, is there a reason why? <laughs> <Helpful>. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about it, to be honest, because I read probably about an eighth. No, that's being, that's not being generous. I got to page I don't know, because I read on my phone. So on my phone, I was I page on your phone. Ho- Yeah, I read on my phone. So on my phone, I was on page 151 of 559. And that's where, I, that's where I have finished.
0: You know what they call that on Goodreads? A DNF.
1: Did not finish. Did, Did not, not finish. fucking bother. Did <laughs> not
0: DNFB. DNFB. (laughs) Well, Sarah, obviously, I did finish the book because it was a rule and (laughs) rules are there to be followed. (laughs) That famous Uh, saying, rules are made to be followed. Followed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, I do understand a little bit because Mm -hmm. the first, so it took us about two weeks to read this book. And the last, bearing in mind the last 40% I read yesterday, Mm -hmm. the first two thirds I found super challenging. I have realised that my brain doesn't do very well with, like, mobster stories. I don't know if it's because I don't know the lingo or it's mm-hmm. just not my natural inclination to be a mobster, you know?
1: Sorry, you're not a mobster.
0: I, I'm not, Sarah, I'm not a mobster.
1: This is friendship built on a foundation of life. I
0: know. I always wear the pinstripe suit.
1: You do, and s- the bowler I'm hat. Always,
0: I'm always smoking that cigar, but I'm not a mobster. I just like, I just like what they wear, you know?
1: <laughs> it's mobster chic.
0: Yeah. mobster. So I I was thinking about this. Like I remember I read the first little first few pages of this in the bath and I was like, whoa, this is this is this is going to be a difficult one for me. But I managed to concentrate hard enough to understand that bit. And then I I went back on my Kindle. It was like three percent. I was like, oh, shit. Then I started thinking it's just mobster stories. I've seen The Departed three times. I don't. I have a clue what that film is about.
1: No, me either. And I've watched it twice, I think.
0: Yeah. People keep getting me to watch The Departed. I'm just not into The Departed. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> I do like, the, I watched The Godfather. Actually, so I'm just going to tell you a little story. <laughs> yes. About about me. Because these things are kind of like, <laughs> oh my God. Right. So the the summer before uni. Yes. I was, I'd lived quite a, quite a sheltered life in Newcastle just going to the same gay bars every weekend the same what was it
1: called that one powerhouse powerhouse
0: I feel like we've mentioned that already twice in four podcasts is really (laughs) embarrassing for me (laughs) so I decided to go to Magaluf where I was going to spend an exciting summer working as a rep I mean, the plan was doomed from the start when you get, when you know me. But I thought, you know what? I was in quite a bad place in my life, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just do something like this for for myself. You know, eat, pray, love, but in Magaluf. <laughs> eat, pray, Magaluf. <laughs> so I I paid with a couple of friends. You're not supposed to pay, like yeah. What I, I thought you paid to do a job. No, it's worse. <laughs> I paid a company to like book my flights and all that and then we got (laughs) picked up by this like really sketchy guy in like a Peugeot 206 at the airport who thought he was class, he was like Geordie Shore on steroids well they're already on steroids (laughs) (laughs) anyway so I went there and what you have to do is just go into bars and ask for jobs (laughs) like hey now we're here <laughs> and all they ever said was no because...
1: <laughs>
0: and also I don't like having an ask uh, like we've we talked about this last week didn't we when I was looking for light cheese I'd rather traipse around a shop for 16 hours and not find ask. light cheese than ask somebody if the stock them
1: so did you just start working at bars until they told you to leave
0: <laughs> no no I, I was going in I was having like a bit of a job hunt for sort of 10 minutes a night but I would just go into a bar and say hi you got any vacancies and they'd be like yeah but we only hire girls and that was the whole and they just looked at me as if like as if you ever thought you were going to get a job here in every single bar because they only had hi- they only hire girls they-, they barely even hire straight men um I mean I don't know if it's the same now what I would do is go into a bar and say hi can I have a job please and they'd say absolutely not you scrawny little thing um and then I would just get mortal and then repeat. So I did that. I think I was there for like three weeks. At one Shut point, I got out. a job doing some flyering, but the job uh, wasn't paid. So I, was, I, feel, I feel like I was, a vo-
1: volunteer. I
0: was a volunteer flyerist. <laughs> <laughs> but this really horrible bar. But then... So I was living in this hotel room on my own because the girl that I went with was a girl. So she got a yeah. job immediately. Uh, and I was just like lying in the hotel room for three months eating tomato pasta. And she brought loads of DVDs. Sorry, this is the longest way of getting to my mobster story. Um, so I watched all three Godfathers for the first time in my life because I've always yeah. not bothered. And I actually did really enjoy them. I thought I mm. thought it was quite comforting while I was on my own, which <laughs> kind of says says everything about the time that I spent in Magala. But the, that's only just dawned on us now because at one point, after about the two and a half week mark where I had no money, I was like, I'm gonna have to like try and at least find some sort of job. The, the job that the boys tended to have was selling drugs. <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, so I'm a boy. Let me get this right. I'm a boy. The bar people are all girls and the boys sell drugs. So it crossed my mind for just a fleeting moment because these these boys were just going around selling what I could only imagine is talcum powder and flour to unsuspecting teenagers for £40. And then that would fund their night out. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do that. And that was when I thought, you know what, Paul, you've lost yourself here in Magaloo. you've not
1: found yourself
0: no i've lost myself even further so i got a flight home paid for by my (laughs) (laughs) mummy, because i had nothing left and yeah that was my end of my magaluf life and my um life as a drug-dealing mobster. I can't even remember why I started that story, but it was I good. Heard, but... It was good to get it out. I don't think I've ever told anyone that, yeah, that before. I cannot. It was bleak. Out of
1: everyone that I know, you're the last person on planet Earth. Are you? Yeah, you are the last person on planet Earth that would ever consider selling drugs. I remember we were playing, we were out in summer, I think, or or just before summer, playing Mr. and Mrs. Mm. In the, mm. at that bar. And... Me and you were doing, so we were the Mr. and Mrs. And I think it was one of our friends asking us the questions. One of the questions was, if you committed a crime, would Paul help you cover it up? Or would he grass you up? And straight away, you like a grass. Grass
0: you up, absolutely. Yeah, you're joking. I
1: can't. What's in that it for is...
0: me? It was about hiding a body or something. Weirdly, I watched a <laughs> film last night on Halloween <laughs> called Calibre. It's on Netflix. It's Scottish. Get yourself it, into it. It's Scottish. To, actually, one of them's Irish, but a fit Scot and a fit Irish.
1: Really? Um, yeah, it's on, it Netflix.
0: it's on Netflix. And <sighs> the premise of the film is he accidentally shoots, they go out what hunting. No, this, oh, this okay. happens. In fact, you know what? I watched the trailer and I kind of wish that they hadn't put this bit in the trailer. You know how the trailers are just the whole film? Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you, but I mean.
1: Well, I know what happens now. Well, one exactly. Yeah. A- <laughs> <laughs> goes out hunting, accidentally shoots a human. And then the other <laughs> one is like, I'm not getting involved.
0: <laughs> well, or is he? You know, that's, that's the thing. I really recommend it. Anyway, bloody All hell right. Harlem Shuffle. We're really not giving enough okay. credit well, to we'll this Pulitzer, exactly. double Pulitzer winning prize. So my point was, first yeah. two thirds found it difficult. The third that I read in bed, I don't know if it's because I was in bed, living my best life, not selling drugs in my glow, that I really, really enjoyed the, the final third. It was, I, I really? th- yeah, like my brain was tuned into it. There was like tension. I understood the plot. It's beautifully written. You can't yeah, deny, like, the yes. way that he writes is incredible. Um, And, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. When I got to the end, I was really glad that I'd managed to get to the bloody end, but I felt <laughs> something for the characters. I love the last line of Abu and the last oh. line because i feel like it makes you feel something if you've really liked the book and this one did so i really really enjoyed it and you, and you can you can sort of think of the book as three novellas because it's like 1950 i don't know 1959 yeah. 1962 and 64 or something and they're three different novellas and the third novella was my fave, uh, and, it, and it and it all culminates in in the Harlem riots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was good. But, but but things that I liked about this book: there's loads of sup- really interesting peripheral characters yeah. or supporting characters who really feel like they're properly fleshed out. Yeah, at least the men. That's something I'll come on to in a bit. Yes, um, which I thought was brilliant. The writing's beautiful. As I said, the the setting I think is is incredible. You really mm-hmm. feel like you're in Harlem, and I love anything New York. Related. i just absolutely love new york
1: you are a slut for new york i
0: am so i felt like i was there <laughs> Could you... i mean can you imagine me in harlem in the 60s <laughs> me with my mobster outfit on in <laughs> hello darling <laughs> it's all right <laughs> would you like me to fence any goods for you today <laughs> but overall yeah i can t- the problem with these books is and I'm, su- I'm sure you feel the same, As when you start reading this and it's not going in and you don't get it and the writers won two Pulitzers, you're like, am I thick?
1: Yeah, I just felt like a big, big, big dum-dum. It's <laughs> that BC. I
0: don't know, babe. Yeah, so that was how I felt, but I persevered and I'm glad I did because it, it, I really did enjoy it. Um, I was, I'm, I'm trying to ask you questions about stuff, but you yeah, I'm bloody <laughs> I'll
1: tell you what I did like.
0: What did you like?
1: Well, actually, I don't know if I liked it. I'm not sure. Um, It was very... No, I didn't like it. Oh, did I? Whatever. The narration. It's the first one that we've read that was, like I said in my little overview that I wrote without knowing what happens.
0: Your little spark notes there. Yeah.
1: it It was this, like, omniscient third person narration and it went from like we knew everything about every character there was no sort of internal secrets it I felt I'm not sure obviously whether this maintains but i felt like i could trust the narration like it wasn't unreliable narration yeah um and it had like a noirish quality it's probably because yeah. it's like a what is it like a crime novel but it had this noirish quality and it meant that like the narration sort of slipped between the characters like oh this is wanky like, a bit of wolfian
0: Oh, like virginia
1: a bit of virginia read he, i read away? two
0: sentences of virginia Woolf, and i was like no <laughs>
1: i was forced to read it for my degree i bought
0: four of our books because i was trying to get attention i started the first one two sentences in i was like "Mm, no 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 no
1: no no no. what you need to do is just bend them low so it looks like you've (laughs) read and reread and then stick them on you yeah, and like table. spit
0: in them and things.
1: <laughs> Fold every page. Yeah, so it kind of like weaves between the characters in this Wolfian way, where like it's almost as though it's on uh, one shot of a film. So it would be like Coney was a used furniture salesman. His cousin Freddie. Freddie had never thought himself much of a blah blah. blah man, Ooh, and, do you know what I mean? It, that
0: was really good.
1: Oh my, was it? Is yeah. This v- voiceover. <laughs> These dulcet tones. Uh. <laughs>
0: Still,
1: that's been the most treacherous thing about editing these podcasts is having to listen to this fucking voice oh, Um
0: try listening to this man there's i
1: love yours so i love yours cheering. it's um, no it's
0: it's. In, i tell you what it is. It's internalised homophobia because, <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, and I need to stop myself because there's just something about, like, as soon as I get into any sort of low register, because I don't really have a low register, it just goes straight to vocal fry. It just goes straight mm-hmm. to Kim Kardashian. And I've spent the last years talking about, <laughs> years, <laughs> talking yeah, yeah, about how you. I think vocal fry is minging. And I'm like, well, that must have, people must have been thinking, sorry, you're saying vocal fry, your whole voice is vocal fry. Um, but it does, I mean... There's a there's a quote on Drag Race where one of them says that the other one's voice sounds like a dial-up modem. (laughs) I just think that's really funny, and that is it. Like I sound like "Eh eh (laughs) so. Yeah, I hate my voice too. If it helps.
1: Okay, that makes me feel better. Yes. So that's what I liked about this kind of narration. It made it really difficult to follow, which is why I think that I checked out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I did like it and I appreciated it. And I thought like it was, I think, oh, I think the probably the biggest issue that I had with it was in my ongoing quest for authenticity. Oh, yeah. I know. This kind of narration doesn't really work as authentic because we get this like and they are really well-rounded characters and I believed every single one of them and it wasn't that wasn't the issue but it was this like jumping back and forth quite a lot and not knowing anyone had and well nobody had any secrets really because we were told them all and I was just like well that's not really real life like I'm getting access to absolutely everything which isn't really authentic um but yeah I do think it's such an impressive like sort of mode of storytelling really like just mega impressive had like a movie like quality to it um and I like things a Bit more simple I can keep up with but I do I was
0: impressed. it did and I know we're joking about being able to keep up and I do think it's all the things we've said about it the omniscient narration and the mobs that you know stuff that mm. we maybe haven't read a lot of but omniscient narration third person narration is not that popular anymore
1: no
0: certainly with the, like millennial writers and close third is still a big thing close Mm -hmm. third being where it's told in the third person, but you you're still very near one of the characters. So you're still kind of seeing it through their point of view. And it doesn't mean you tell all the secrets, but this was like weaving in and out of people's uh, minds, which I I just don't think I'm that used to reading anymore. And maybe that's why the final third was when I was, (laughs) attuned to it
1: yeah and I could and I
0: could I could understand it somehow
1: yeah it was it was like like I really appreciate it as what it is Mm. and I think it's yeah just brilliant the way that it's done but I could not keep up with it
0: no I think something is I, I don't know if it's as plotty as it thinks it is so yeah I, think I was it's gonna
1: be mega plot heavy
0: well I was added to and I think you said something like it's a mystery or something I don't know if you just made that up but uh
1: yes probably yeah yeah
0: so I was expecting something like that and I thought right I'm really gonna have to keep up but then when I got to the end of it I said, the story's actually quite simple and perhaps the way that it was written didn't do that simplicity justice. It it, it made it feel like it was more complicated than it was it's really yeah. just the story of a guy who works in a firm store who has has no no real ties to things like organized crime and then it just shows how quickly that you can be brought into it and once you're in there it's really difficult to detach yourself from it Mm. um and I guess that's it's kind of an age-old story of of like extraordinary things happening to ordinary people it's it's you know it's quite a simple narrative Mm -hmm. but I think I was I was I think I was panicking when I was reading it that I wasn't going to understand it so I didn't but I'm glad Um, we're doing it for this podcast as well I mean all of these things sound like I'm shading you I'm really trying not to but because I was gonna say I'm glad that we did it for this podcast because otherwise I wouldn't have read it but like you didn't read it anyway but
1: (laughs) (laughs) what a fucking dig well actually I did that on purpose I really enjoyed it and I just couldn't put it down but I thought I must so that we can put this podcast in its and and its whole USP to the test which Mm. is you don't need to read the book without you know, you can still have an opinion on it. So I need your opinion and then I can copy <laughs> off it. Um, nice try. What I was going to say about it as well was, yeah, you mentioned it when you were saying that you really got a sense of place mm-hmm. and there was some, yeah, just stunning descriptions. And I think that probably drew me out of it a little bit as well because I can't really imagine Harlem in the 60s, late 50s, 60s. But there was this one line and I, highlighted it because i thought what the fuck am i gonna uh, say about this book good good let me find it
0: oh let me find it <laughs> let
1: me find
0: it <laughs> let me just go and find it <laughs> <laughs> what is sorry i'm trying to be heterosexual
1: oh just think paul if you were heterosexual we wouldn't have been friends
0: we definitely wouldn't i would have been magaloof
1: Magaluf. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be doing jail time um The atmosphere in Nightbirds was ever five minutes after a big argument and no one telling you what happened.
0: Holy shit, that I just got chills.
1: What a fucking sentence. Because that tells you in a single sentence everything you need to know about a place. Like this shady, seedy, secretive. Yeah. See, I'd be like,
0: the atmosphere in Nightbirds was shady and secretive. Yeah, me too, yeah. (laughs) But I'm so glad you did that because there were some, there were some. Beautiful sentences, but mm-hmm. it's really hard on my stupid Kindle. I don't understand the highlight function. Do you know? Um,
1: it's really easy on a Kindle.
0: Is it? But, well, I'm, I'm trying read... to get
1: back at you for the early Yeah, thing. You
0: but you read it and it says 256 highlights, which I think means people are really digging this sentence.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I, d- yeah, I don't understand that function. And I, I was taking pictures, but it's just too hard. But there were. I'm, I'm glad you've. That's a perfect example because it's Mm. just like such a talented writer to do something like that. Yeah, that and it's all the time.
1: And from the other books of his that I've read it it was pretty different stylistically.
0: Oh, I Um, read this.
1: So what do you tell
0: tell us? Someone agrees?
1: Oh my yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I read it because I haven't read any of the other books. So he, he won Pulitzer's for The Nickel Boys and The Underground Railroad, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: I read in a, in a review that this was like, not, you know, nothing like those. And that nothing. it shows that he can really change his style. And which is, I mean, yeah, again, yeah. incredible.
1: What incredible range because, yeah, completely different. I think um, The Nickel Boys was a close third narration. And you only really got, and it was retroactive as well. Um, retrospective, yeah, retrospective, not retroactive. Yeah, someone's done a master's. Complete. Oh, yeah, just incredible. What incredible range! I was like, what the actual fuck? If I manage to write one book in my lifetime, that's it. That's your lot. I'll just be doing. If I if I then write a second one, it will be the first one recalibrated. Well, I think
0: that's. Yeah, I think that's more normal than you think. A lot of people do just tell the same story over and over again, and that's what people want to hear. Mm. So to be able to change your style and also the setting and the and everything about it is is well done, Colton.
1: Yeah, well done. Well done. Um,
0: How patronising! Well done. You've won two Pulitzers. And I
1: know. We can't even
0: string a sentence together about your. Book. I can't
1: even get past the first 150 pages oh. on a phone. So what's that? Probably 30 actual pages. Reading
0: on a phone, Sarah, is not good for your eyes.
1: I know, but my eyes are already fucked. So
0: just get a Kindle.
1: <clears throat> I've got one. I don't know why
0: I don't use it. <laughs> well, then I can't help you. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to talk about mm. was the the female characters, and I I yeah. think this is potentially something that I struggle with with mobster films and stories, is that obviously them they're, they're really male dominated, and usually, and it's interesting that you brought up the the noir thing because there is a bit of a femme fatale character that comes in towards is the it? end. Oh. Yeah, uh, not I'd say like written. How do I put this? She was good. She, she was I enjoyed being like, oh, here's here's a woman. And she had some good lines and she, she wasn't a likable character, but it, she wasn't a huge part of the story. And then mm-hmm. Carney's wife, Elizabeth, is the classic sort of at home um, doting pregnant. wife who, who pregnant doting wife who knows nothing about what's going on, even though he's mm-hmm. out all the time. and <laughs> And I just. Sometimes find that a bit tiresome. I'm, I'm like ready to. am ready to le- sort of leave that archetypical woman in in the past. Like I love reading about women, and there's not there's not a lot of it in these kinds of stories. Uh, it did actually pass the Bechdel test, just did? at just near the end. So the Bechdel test being, um, it's it was created by someone Bechdel,
1: Alison.
0: Alison. <laughs> and it was to do with films, wasn't it? Yes.
1: yes. So
0: there's got to be two. Named female characters who have a conversation with each other about mm-hmm. something other than men, which sounds really simple, but it's unbelievable how many it's something like it's probably better now. But when I was at uni, I was doing a film degree and it was about 50 to 60 percent of films were failing it. Um, Hollywood films. So there, there is it does pass it just at the end, but it's through one conversation with Elizabeth and her mother. And it's a one line that's that makes it pass the test so it's it, you know it's it's still very male and um yeah I sometimes find that a little bit tricky and also there's a little bit of queerness towards the end
1: oh my god yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. plow on
0: there's actually a character Sarah towards the end who I think you will really feel a strong affinity with
1: should I just read the
0: third, third yeah third, do it
1: third, third. I feel
0: like it could work as a standalone
1: all right I'll do that I'll do that because I don't like the idea of giving up, but I am fucking ready to give up.
0: No, I've, I have given up on books before, but it's just because mm. of this putty putty. I've, in, I've put this this rule that I'm now having to follow. Um. <laughs> anything? Oh, and the, the, well, I don't know if it's the final thing, but what was just clear was the links to today with the riots and the racism. And it really made me think I cannot believe how long it's taken for someone like Derek Chauvin to go to prison. They took, they referenced things like, oh, well, a white guy's shot a black, a white cop has shot a black boy. Like, what mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen? And again, and I read a review where it was like, we shouldn't concentrate on the links to today so much. And I was like, oh, really? That's what, really, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. um, But it did, it it did just sort of bring it into focus. Like, oh my God, this was, how many years ago? What, it's 1960? 1964, like six. Yeah, something like that. And it's yes. the same shit. Mm-hmm. So that was very topical. And I mean, obviously, we've come a certain amount of way <laughs> since then. But it's still yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of shocking how how not far we've come.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: he did a really good job of showing how l- people in Harlem in the 50s and 60s had a lack of opportunity that still exists today and and so to to look at things like crime in the way that we do with just one kind of let's just eradicate it with one fell swoop it's like no babe like yeah. look at the conditions that people are living in look at the racism they're experiencing what what choice do they have mm-hmm. especially if they've got no money and I mean it's a really I guess it's a really obvious point but it made it did make me think about that
1: yeah yeah I mean obviously I don't know what happens uh, yeah end. <laughs> But yeah, this sort of accessibility to crime and it's something that it's it shouldn't be such a huge moral question. Like either you participate in a life of crime or you don't. Yeah, and then it's, yeah. It's made it's it's, your
0: choice, one hundred percent. Yeah,
1: and you can choose not to rob wherever you want. Like you don't have yeah. to do that. And then it's this book is quite yeah stark in the fact that it's like no, there are there is no other option.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder what I would if I was living. In mobster land. See, I was living... If, if Al Capone had yes. come to my... Fin... I wouldn't have a furniture shop. What would my shop sell? Maybe I would sell, like, nice cupcakes. And... No, that's not right. That's what really, I...
1: really not right. What would I sell? You would sell books.
0: Books. That's the one. I'd sell books.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Al
0: Capone comes into my shop and says, Paul, I need you to sell some stolen books. hmm To... Launder the money or say, Mm -hmm. I really don't understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) the organized crime, something to do. I'm, yeah, I would. I I think what I would do is I would say, Yes, no problem, my darling. Um, just let us know. And then I'd ring the police immediately and say, And I'd be like, Guys, Al Capone's just come in. Um, he's trying to make us do crimes. Um, but what I'll do is just play both sides, okay? And then (laughs) the next day I'd be shot in the face, and I'd be quite happy with that
1: yeah 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 i what i would do is i'd say "Hi, al yeah absolutely on board we'll do anything you want and then i'd be like come back come back first thing tomorrow and we'll get going and then the second he left the shop i'd leave the country <laughs> <and never return.
0: laughs> or you would mm. say
1: hi al yeah
0: no bother darling um <laughs> are you interested in a, in a mob wife at all
1: yeah i'd who was it that said i'd make a good mob wife recently was it you
0: Probably me, I think you oh think it was it, me, I think you would. was it. <laughs> I think you were. Oh,
1: thank you. Any mobs out there? any mobs listening to this podcast in need of a wife?
0: I mean we've done a sh- we've done a shoddy job there, Sarah, but I do you think know. we can just move on.
1: Yeah, let's I'm really yeah. really sorry, Colson. I know you'll be listening. I'm really sorry.
0: Sorry, Colson. <laughs> we'll read your next one. one more.
1: Yes, more right, so news what
0: I right have you seen that advert of the little boy running around the house and he's got big gigs on and a dress and he's throwing shit all over the place having a fabulous time
1: yes I have John Lewis
0: John Lewis yeah, yeah. so when that advert came out I had numerous text messages about <laughs> how I was oh I don't I didn't know you were starring in a John Lewis advert my friend posted it in the work chat it was a thing it does look a little bit like me when I was a kid because I've got I'm very long-sighted so basically my eyes fill up the whole lens
1: (laughs) I think the first time I saw you without your glasses I genuinely was quite surprised (laughs) at how
0: where's his eyes gone (laughs) but you know what's really annoying is that obviously yeah you you, people are used to seeing me like this so I think your eyes just just attuned Mm -hmm. to the fact that this is the size of my eyes then when they try your glasses, well, number one, people try glasses on and go, "Fuck it, hell, you're blind." Yeah. Like, oh, good one, good one, babe. It's yeah. just not your prescription. And then also, they look in the mirror and go, hey, "Look at my eyes." It's like, do you, you realise that I wear those every day? And yeah. you're like, "Look at the size of your fucking eyes."
1: Like, that's, that's
0: that's so offensive. I've had to get used to that over the years.
1: Oh, you're so brave.
0: I know. Thank you. Um. So anyway, this advert this wonderfully flamboyant boy yes it was great well it's been banned Mm -hmm. and when I saw that I thought oh my god it's been banned because you know the reasons that we're thinking but it's not been banned for that it's been banned because it's an advert for home insurance and this little child just chucks paint all over the house (laughs) and then it's like John Lewis home insurance it's like well you can't claim on home insurance if your little child just ruins all of the upholstery yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a shame because it's a fabulous advert but I understand but it just got me thinking about what we were like as kids obviously I didn't know you as a child sadly
1: oh that is devastating
0: but it is it is devastating but I think that attention seeking comes from birth
1: do you do you think it's nature or nurture
0: I think it's both but I think it it manifests very early in life (laughs) yes so I was wondering if what you were like as a child and if you what are some examples of your attention seeking?
1: I was such an attention seeker, obviously. Mm. A huge one being that I um well, I mean, we've actually denounced manifesting before. So maybe this wasn't a manifestation, but I willed it into existence I think by wearing glasses long before I needed to. So Love I used to that. anyone's glasses, I used to put them on and obviously everyone would go don't worry that don't put those glasses on, you'll strain your eyes, you'll end up needing them, but and now I am also incredibly blind, mm. <laughs> um so yeah, desperate, desperate to wear glasses from a very young age and would wear glasses that weren't mine for attention. What Once, about an inhaler? yep had an inhaler
0: oh, I was so jealous of people who had inhalers
1: but i will I will be honest, I only got an inhaler after I had I had an asthma attack, which oh jealous, I know. I remember once um, my PE teacher, not PE teacher, but my teacher had taken us out for PE in primary school. We were playing cricket, which is a shit game to play with kids. And he was wearing sunglasses and it was a really sunny day. And I was like, why can I wear my sunglasses? Because I had this fabulous love heart shaped pair of pink lensed sunglasses oh. with three diamantes along the edge of one of the yeah, wow. fucking fantastic. And I was like, well, can I wear my sunglasses? And he was like, I wear mine because I've got hay fever. And then I was like, well, I've got hay fever. <laughs> so then I got to wear my glasses all the time. <laughs> you oh, love
0: shit. hot glasses as if they're doing anything for hay fever.
1: I know. Yeah. My love. What's my obsession with glasses and attention? I, I can't, know. like, the thing is, this, I, I just did absolutely everything for attention. Everything was for attention. So I can't really specifically pinpoint things, but I'll tell you something that I was jealous of. Other right. kids getting attention was kids on crutches.
0: Oh, uh, especially if they had a cast as well.
1: Yeah, a cast and, a two cast crutches. and crutches. Can you? The, and they used to get to leave school early and go for lunch early, and they'd come into the hall for assembly and have to sit on the end on the crutch. Oh my god! Oh, honestly,
0: have, I'm getting jealous just thinking yeah, about it
1: now. I'm re- I'm so jealous still. I
0: might jump out the window. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I used to try and roll my ankle quite a lot as a (laughs) child. What I did do three times, which wasn't intentional, but in hindsight is quite attention seeking, is the only bone that I've broken in my body, and I've broken it thrice, is my skull.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's but no, that's that's too far. You don't need a broken skull for attention, Sarah
1: like, I surely, it, I, well, my mum didn't take me to the hospital after the, I think maybe the second time because she was like, I'm going to get done for neglect or abuse. And also she she's a nurse. So she just kind of fixed it. There's not a lot you can do for a broken school. It's so just a quick disclaimer. Um But yeah, it's because I have tiny feet and a massive head. So I just used to keel over quite a lot and <laughs> cracked my head open. But I remember once, this was back when me and my brother were, I think it was the first time, no, the second time I broke it. I was in the playground at school and, I got a cup of warm milk and a lollipop while they waited for my mum to arrive. And then they went and got my brother from class and he came and sat with me and he also got a cup of warm milk and a lollipop. And I remember thinking, you're really fucking ruining my big moment by bringing (sighs) my arch enemy number one to the scene of my disaster and giving him the same privileges as me. That's outrageous. That's not on. But I think a huge source of my attention seeking comes from Jack, my brother, because I am the younger sibling and i mean bless him he was really really quite a shy still is shy person quite quiet and mild and and i just felt threatened by that obviously from the off so was the complete opposite um
0: there's nothing more threatening to an attention seeker than somebody who's quite content with being an introvert
1: uh yeah
0: it's just it really gets under my skin
1: it's jarring it's jarring i don't understand it what about you what's What's the best attention-seeking thing you did as a child?
0: I mean, again, a lot of things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think on reflection, I probably wasn't choosing the right things to get attention. So, <laughs> like, at one point I was playing the saxophone in school. Like, that's not... <laughs> so I would get to leave lessons early. <laughs> but it was to go to a saxophone lesson, so nobody was that bothered.
1: Aww.
0: I did play the drums at one point, Um I was pretty good at that but again I just think musical instruments in, cool, in school are not not great.
1: You're a pretty successful dancer.
0: I was a dancer again it's just probably not the right way to go is it but the thing is pre-puberty yeah you can get attention for all kinds of stuff so yeah. when I was an Irish dancer in primary school it was class because I would go I used to get like days off school to go and do mm-hmm. um, competitions I'd come back with a trophy and everyone would look at it and, you know cool over me yeah mm-hmm. but then as soon as you hit puberty I mean I am an Irish dad it is yeah and it was just it was no the attention was not not the kind of attention that I wanted um but Aww. I remember I used to embarrass myself quite a lot like one time oh the most embarrassing moment ever I never used to get told off because I used to follow the rules so mm-hmm. on the rare 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 occasions that I got told off it was just mortifying So I got told off by a teacher once. She took us out. It was awful. I think I'd just been chatting too much, but it was it was terrible.
1: Oh, poor. I know,
0: I know, I know. But then, what I decided to do was to try and make this into an attention-seeking moment. So I told my brother that I'd been kicked out of class, and that when I was getting told off, my phone had started ringing. So I just thought, like, that is so cool.
1: That's
0: so badass, yeah. So badass, like Bart Simpson, badass.
1: That, yeah.
0: Uh, little did I know, Michael, my brother, had the same teacher. So he went into class and said, "Oh, I heard about me brother. He's got his phone was ringing when he's told it off." And she was like, "No, it wasn't." And then he oh, said to me, no. "I know it gets worse." He said to me, "Paul, why did you lie about that?" I was like, "I didn't lie. I didn't lie. Absolutely did. Like <laughs> we, we knocked you up three three ten. What's per off? I ring in. And then in the class, the teacher, which I, to be honest, now because I, I work with schools and yes, do like I'm not a teacher, but I, you know, I would never do this. She, it was just as everyone was sitting down, and she went, "Oh, shush, everyone, shush, shush, silence, silence." Everyone sat down, like what the fuck? She went, "I can hear a phone ringing." Is that you, Paul? And I was like, "Oh no!" And she oh, Dogged out to the whole class.
1: Are you fucking... J- that's horrible.
0: Again, the kind of attention that you don't want.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, Isn't that, is that
0: so mean?
1: I hate when you get caught in a lie. When you just oh, drink, it used happen. A story. I, was,
0: I was quite the liar when I was younger. Me
1: too. Be, I used
0: yeah. to love a good lie. I didn't understand like the moral conundrum. I was like, but I don't get it. If you just say this, then you'll get what you want. Mm -hmm. i didn't understand that like jesus was watching kind of thing so (laughs) and i don't know because now i have like terrible catholic guilt so i I I rarely ever lie now
1: it's like self-flagellation you really did that to yourself
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no one
1: else is forcing that upon you
0: yeah Um, but i'd say i'm I'm probably more of an attention seeker now i mean I'm, i'm doing a podcast um at one point i thought i was a singer uh, yes. I tried to get back into Irish dance Because what happens is When you're a child, child It's really cool When you're a teenager It's the least cool thing ever But when you're a bit older And you can make money out of it Cool So I decided cool. to frigging do A river dance audition in Dublin When was that? Oh, when I was about 19 or something Didn't get it, didn't get it
1: You also won a TV show I won
0: Pointless, yeah Got myself on Pointless
1: what That's else pretty attention-seeking
0: When you list them i Am st- I right? You starred knob. in
1: Tracy Beaker <laughs>
0: Tracy Chanky Beaker be- dumping ground as a security guard. I think it's because of my build. The
1: <laughs> <laughs> mobster build.
0: Yeah, I was wearing my mobster outfit actually in <laughs> Yeah, you were. Yeah.
1: Um you've yeah, you've done quite a lot of attention seeking. I mean not married.
0: God, that was purely for attention. Yeah, no. And about. then the pandemic happened, which was annoying. I think that's that was the world's way of saying, like, Paul, calm down. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. So it's it's never ended and it probably never will. Until we'll get famous, and then it'll be like
1: You have to act coy then.
0: Yeah, because that's what famous people do, don't they? I know. They're
1: like, the I'm biggest not doing interviews on the planet. And they're like, you know, I just really enjoy, like, walking my dogs. And... Yeah,
0: I live in Idaho now. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you Shut live in Hampstead. <laughs> so, Right,
1: give me one set because I'd put some jacket potatoes. And I, that's plural because they're really small. Okay. Um, in the oven. I and I, like I can smell them burning. Just back to the broken limbs thing quickly. There was a girl in my high school who had a perpetual broken arm. Not a single one of my memories of her is her without her cast in all five years. But she was a huge attention seeker. She hula hooped at our prom.
0: <sighs> with bro- with, I'm picturing her with you like two broken arms <laughs> propped up like this. hula it, it,
1: it was only one ever. It's swapped. Sometimes this one. Sometimes that one. Wow. Uh, oh, my God. I've got some reading for attention feedback like podcast feedback okay go on so my best friend alongside you Paul
0: just below me yeah that's what I heard
1: (laughs) Holly Molly Michaela smell was listening to our podcast the other day and as she did so walked to Clapham library and opened an account Holly has no word of a lie hundreds of books most of them unread. Like She's got a nightstand filled with books that people gift her or lend her or she buys and then she'll never read or she's yet to get around to reading. She's always reading about six books at once. She That's admirable,
0: admirable behavior.
1: Such attention seeking behavior. And she voiced it, it and she, she did say, I think I have done that for attention because there's, I mean, obviously, libraries we stand, uh, although maybe we don't actually, as aspiring authors ourselves. Maybe we should not stand libraries because will we get paid? Well, I think we've we've got a few hurdles
0: to get over before we worry about the library. So I think the library is probably not the place to uh, put our anger. (laughs) We'll
1: we'll burn that bridge when we get to it, Paul. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she opened a library account, even though she absolutely has no need whatsoever for a library card and probably we'll never go
0: um I've got a funny it's not reading for attention but my friend texted us yesterday saying I'm going to the Tate for attention today <laughs> like the Tate Modern <laughs> I was like yes why would any, is... what other reason would anyone go to the Tate Modern than for attention and I thought splendid well done I'm really really back here he was going on his own um, Oh, love that got there <laughs> you now need to book a slot because of Covid And they didn't have any more available on the day.
1: So he just—he
0: was just—I was like, "Oh, can you not go to another museum?" He was like, "That all like that." I'm just standing on the bridge, fuming, (laughs) because I can just imagine I'm swanning up to the Tate, like looking at people left and right. Yep, I'm just about to go, guys. I'm just about to go in. You know the Tate Modern? You know that really, really that amazing establishment? I'm just going to go in there and have a little gander. Just up
1: by myself, yeah.
0: Yeah, probably maybe buy a book in the gift shop. Right, I think it's time to talk about next week's book. This book is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. It has been an absolute smash. Yeah. It came out, it actually came out in August 2020, but we said recent-ish. Yeah. Um, but the reason I want to pick it is because it has got 105,000 reviews on what? amazon and it's got six hundred and thirty-five thousand votes on goodreads it's obviously done extremely well
1: yeah mm. um, it's
0: a basically a i mean we'll talk about it next week but it's about a library that lets you undo regrets in your life so that's quite interesting and the oh yeah the, so the reason i'm telling you that is because of the drink yes and you're not allowed to deviate this oh, time okay. and i can tell you why because i've sent one of the ingredients to your house so the drink is called it's called death what? in the afternoon <laughs> and i thought because i was i was trying to think what what the hell drink can we use for this midnight library this is all about regrets so very early in the book you find out that this woman is not having a very good time and she's regretting a lot of things that she's done in her life so i was Aww. like what could what drink would you regret more than any other
1: death in the so afternoon i just
0: googled strongest cocktails
1: Poor and then fuck.
0: this one's called death in the afternoon but it's <laughs> also known as the Hemingway Champagne because it's originally invented by Ernest Hemingway, so I thought they're a oh, connection.
1: Yeah. Um, It also sounds like an Agatha Christie yeah, novel. Yeah, it does,
0: it does. It's, it's uh, two ingredients. One of oh, them is no. champagne, but I think let's just do some Prosecco. I can't be asked to buy champagne. And the other <laughs> ingredient is
1: absinthe.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck off! So it said 45%, but I've sent you... <gasps> I've sent you, um, you know, those like test tubes you used to get in clubs, yeah. with, like a luminous green and it's 70%.
1: <laughs> fuck off.
0: So yeah, uh, Glasser Pros with some 70% absinthe and I've sent you and me one. So you're not allowed to back out.
1: Okay. But otherwise it's rude. Jesus, Jesus Christ. I'm quite excited. The only other time I've had absinthe was in Paris because it was really Moulin Rouge. Mm. Um, sent- and I am so <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> is I think, I
0: think that's how it's pronounced in French. <laughs> absent, uh, Monsieur, Monsieur, oh, absent.
1: S'il vous plaît. Yeah, I did it in Paris, and I don't remember getting home. I only had one shot of it, but I was sixteen. So,
0: um, anyway, I think we've rambled on quite quite enough.
1: See you for a death in the afternoon. Bye. <laughs>